0: Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games and no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered from the extras to the essentials. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late night snack craving, or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time. And you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. Draft Season is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Giants.
1: The NFL Draft
2: is now officially open.
0: Welcome to the all-new Draft Season podcast. It is Draft Season. John Schmelk, Tony Pauline, Eric Crocker with you. Episode numero dos as we continue to take a look at the draft prospects right here in draft season leading up to the NFL draft at the end of April. Before we get started, make sure you go and find the draft season podcast feed. The first couple episodes will appear in the Giants Huddle podcast feed, but you have to subscribe to its own individual feed. So search for draft season on your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star positive review. And as you go along here, folks, we'll start doing things on social media, get some questions, you want an info on players, send them in, and we'll knock all that as we go. But Fast and Furious, we're only two weeks, believe it or not, until the NFL Combine, so we thought it would be a good time to set the stage here and get a little brief rundown of each one of the position groups, where we are, Eric and Tony have come up with each of their own top fives in each of these groupings we've done uh, this week is offense. We'll do quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Then we have split the offensive line into offensive tackle and then guard slash center. So that's kind of where we are. We'll go through them, talk about the depth of each class, some of the individual players, as we get you ready for the NFL Combine that first week of March. Eric, Tony, good to see you guys. How are you?
2: It's to be bad,
0: Cold here in New York—that's for sure, as you know, John. Yes, it is frozen over. You know, Croc. I'm not Ooh. even sure. Are you in Texas? Are you in Atlanta? Where are you? <laughs> I'm in Arkansas. I wasn't. I was halfway in between. A close.
2: There enough. you go. Yeah, I'm in the, the natural warm. state. I wasn't sure that's where. What they call it. You know, it is it, weird because you know I'm from California. I just moved out here a couple years ago, and you know, warm. I don't know if I would call it warm here. But it has its days, right? I mean, yeah, I think the this, this southern weather, it's a little bipolar. So I'm, I'm on the border of Louisiana and Mississippi. I'm, I'm right there. So we get like this. It, it'd be cold, like 30 degrees. That's cold for us, 30 degrees. And it can drop into the 20s. And then the next day, it'd be 75 and Sunday. So you don't really know how to dress from day to day. But it's been, it's been interesting, I, I guess.
1: What's the temperature there right now?
2: It's probably about sixty if I had to if I had to guess what it feels like. I just came from outside. Uh sixty-seven. Yeah,
1: When I went out when I went out for my run this morning, it was twelve degrees. So uh, you, <laughs> you, you're gonna you're gonna have heat stroke compared to what we're dealing with. Sounds here. like a small oh,
0: California man. guy to meet Tony. That's all I'm yeah.
2: saying. sixty-seven degrees and, and with a high of seventy-one. So it looks like it's gonna warm up a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think you'll be okay. When you're in Indianapolis, that's going to be cold. Trust me, it's always cold in Indy at the combine. All right, let's get to it here. I guess we have to start with quarterbacks. Any you, which one of you guys want to lead off with the quarterback list? Who wants to go first?
2: We'll we'll, we'll go with Mr. Uh, Pauline here.
0: Okay, good. Age before Thank beauty. You. All right, here we yeah, go. There you go. Uh,
1: my top five. A little bit, a little bit uh, different from what people have it. Malik Willis has always been my top rated quarterback followed by Matt Corral of Mississippi. I did the tape on him. I was a Matt Corral skeptic. I absolutely love his game. Want to see how it transitions to the NFL. Then Sam Howell, based on the fact that he had a great 2020 campaign, was okay in 2021. I thought he was terrific during the Senior Bowl. Kenny Pickett is my number four quarterback, which I know is going to shock a few people. Now, my number five quarterback, it was between Carson Strong or Desmond Ritter. I thought Ritter threw the ball much better during Senior Bowl practices. So I have him right now as my number five quarterback.
0: All right, Tony, before we get to your list, Kroc, who's your next guy on the outside looking in and how far away is he from your top five?
1: My next guy or my sleeper would be Caleb, uh, Caleb Ellaby from Michi- uh, Western Michigan. Let's start that again. My sleeper would be Caleb Ellaby <laughs> Western Michigan, who he's, not, he's maybe around after Desmond Ritter. I have him graded as a third round choice. He could go day three but he's a terrific under the radar quarterback who was a little bit inconsistent last year, but he's got it going on between the ears. He's got, he's got a good arm. He manages the game. Well, he's very productive kind of has fallen by the wayside, but I think with proper coaching, LB going to be an outstanding quarterback in the NFL. All
0: right, Croc, what do you got? And then we'll try to dive into these lists a little bit deeper.
2: Yeah, man, we, we have a lot of uh, similar picks, at least the way we started off. I got Malik Willis at one, Matt Corral at two. So we're the same there, Tony. But then I have Kenny Pickett, then I have Desmond Ritter, and then Sam Howe. So we're kind of a little jumbled there uh, with with ours, you know, as far as comparing our list. But uh, Malik Willis, like Tony, I have him as the one guy because I think in this class there are a lot of guys that lack that kind of pop or kind of higher end upside. And I think in a situation like this, especially with Malik Willis, I'm always going to lean more towards the guy that can do a little bit more but also give me the same things uh, as everybody else. You know, I'm really big on what can you teach, what can't you teach. And when you look at, you know, Malik Willis and some of his traits, you can't teach that athleticism. You can't teach that playmaking ability. You can't teach the throw, the, the arm strength that he has. Like those things are really hard to improve on. What can you improve on? Maybe the mental aspect of the game, slowing things down to where he becomes more consistent. You can work on that. So I have him as number one because he has the higher upside.
0: Yeah, and I'll say this, too. I think it's interesting both of you guys have Matt Corral there. I did watch him a little bit during the college football season. A, Tony, how much do you think the injury and the medical checks of the combine are going to be a big factor for him? And number two, he also kind of has a little bit of an it factor where he can run around. He, he has a little, you know, you know some, uh, some flair to his game, I think, more than the other guys. He can run a bit. Why Corral number two? And, again, talk about the, the importance of those rechecks.
1: Well, always, the, the medicals are always the most important thing. The medicals will basically dictate whether a guy could go, you know, top 90 or actually go seventh round. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's going to be an issue for Corral. I've not heard it's going to be an issue for Corral. You know, a couple of things. You mentioned it. I mean, he's got terrific physical skills. He gets it between the ears. He sees what's going on. He can make all the NFL passes. I'd like to see him improve his downfield accuracy a bit. He can pick up yardage with the uh, carrying of the ball. He's probably a little bit too tough of a runner. What I mean is, you know, he, he puts his shoulders down and he runs hard on the inside. You don't want to do that on Sunday because you may not get up uh, after you're your uh, but, but Uses all of his uh, weapons. Uh, j- just does a great job seeing the field. Not the biggest guy. Lack, lacks pocket stature and is going to struggle standing up against the rush. Uh, and like I said, I mean, my main concern is How does he translate to next level? How does he go from that Lane-Kiffin offense, which is sort of an unorthodox spread offense, usually three and four receivers, a tight end that rarely lines up in line, never uses a fullback. How is he going to transition, or how long is it going to take him to transition to an NFL-style offense? But he's got great upside as far as I'm concerned.
0: Now, just so the fans get the injury, he sprained his ankle in the bowl game. The X-rays were negative, so no surgery, anything like that. That's why he should be good. Croc, your take on Corral.
2: Yeah, you know, with Corral, a lot of what Tony said, I, I agree with. You know, when you look at him, the one thing that kind of jumps out is they're not those big NFL throws. And that was one thing I remember listening to uh, Kyle Shanahan talk about that when they were looking for a quarterback in 2017. He said one of the main traits that he likes to look for in quarterbacks, which I guess he liked in CJ Beathard, so I don't know how much stock he put into it. But he said he likes to see the NFL <laughs> throws that they're able to make. And he thinks that, you know, a lot of the completion percentage, those things can be inflated with a lot of screens, a lot of spread wide open The offenses. But, you know, can you make those big time throws, those hole shots, those uh, seam throws with timing where it's not as simple? And I think Corral, when you kind of filter through all of it and you kind of just piece together throws, I think he has the ability to make some of those big time throws as well as the off script type things that it gives you you know, the ability to run. He had a game where he ran for like 170 yards. I was like, wait, what? I had to go back and watch that and see how he did that. But just, you know, having that ability, I think it just adds a little bit of value to a class that's not necessarily – it doesn't really have a whole lot of pop. All
0: right, and then what – Desmond Ritter. You had him three on your list, Croc. correct?
2: I, I have him on four at four, but Desmond Ritter is somebody who I, – I like in a sense of traits and ability. I'm just waiting for him to be more consistent overall with it. I think that he doesn't – and, you know, I'm pretty sure, Tony, you too, John, you guys can talk about what we saw at the Senior Bowl. There wasn't anything that jumped out about his game, right? Everything just looked like, okay, like, that's okay, that was a good throw. Okay, nice uh, run when the pocket broke down and you are able to pick up an easy 10 yards. I'm waiting to see that, like, that extra thing that, like, lifts him above a guy like Kenny Pickett. Haven't seen it quite yet.
1: The thing with the thing with Ritter is this great physical skills, pretty smart quarterback protects the football, but you know, you talked about, you know, statistical accuracy or statistical completions versus, you know, what accuracy really is. And when you watch Ritter on film, he's not super accurate in the sense that receivers are leaving their feet to catch the ball. They're adjusting backwards. You know, you can do that on Saturday. It leads to a loss of opportunity and passes getting picked off or defended on Sunday because He's playing against defensive backs that are so much better than what he's going to face on Saturday. If he gets that element down, he's a starting quarterback, but teaching a a quarterback to be precisely accurate, not accurate where the receiver is just catching the ball, but leading the receiver with his throws, throwing the receiver free, as they say, that can be very difficult.
2: And, And if you're not a big, like if you're not creating a ton of opportunities for explosive plays, those little misses are going to be magnified and make it even harder to be uh, successful at the next level.
0: All right. Now I like the debate here, Tony, you're, I would say off what the general common thought is. You have Sam Howell over Kenny Pickett. You have Pickett as your number three. Crock, have the debate. Why Howell over Pickett? And then fight back a little bit, Crock.
1: Well, I, I mean, I, why Howell over Pickett? I think Howell's got a better arm. He was better at the senior ball. Kenny Pickett had a great senior season. I mean, you know, let's nothing to take away from, but I've always looked at Kenny Pickett as a game manager. You know, Crock talked about, you know, those big plays, those explosive plays. I I don't see Kenny Pickett being able to do that at the next level as much as I do Sam Howell. Go back and watch the 2020 film. Watch a lot of the plays he made at the senior bowl. Then there's also the issue of the hand size. I mean, it's going to be a problem for some teams. It's an issue for me, not only because – I knew going into this, as we talked about the first podcast, he's got small hands. But what I saw at the Senior Bowl, when it was raining out, I think Sam Howell can be a guy that wins games for a team in the NFL. I look at Kenny Pickett as more of a game manager, which is why I have Howell ahead of Pickett.
2: All right, yeah, I I definitely see that, and it's not like I have a a ton of pushback with those guys. I think when you get to the bottom of this class, I almost say bottom, but. You know, in your top five, especially after Malik Willis and Matt Corral, for me at this moment, I think you can have you can flip flop any of these guys. Now with Kenny Pickett, again, I, I still like the ability, like to be able to have create explosive plays somehow. And I think maybe he doesn't do it quite with his arm, but we've seen him do it with his leg, and it's not something that he leans on. But just to know that he has that in his bag, I really like that. I am a little worried with Kenny Pickett because everybody made a big deal of the, uh, about the hands, and he he got up there, and, and everybody says it's not an issue. But then he goes out there in that rain, and I thought he didn't really throw. I didn't think he threw well. I didn't think the ball came out of his hand well yeah. at all. The ball was kind of fluttering a little bit. So I'd say, you know, the hand size and, you know, why do you wear gloves, those type of things, you know, nobody asked a question, but that came to mind as well. There are things that definitely worry me with him. But I, I like the consistency that I saw throughout this year. We got to see those two guys play against each other, what they look like on the same field. I thought Kenny Pickett just looked a little bit better. Wasn't viewing it in the sense of, like, a prospect, but just how the game played out and what it looked like and how they handled everything. But uh, I, I definitely think it's very close.
0: When all is said and done, how many of these quarterbacks do you guys think go in the first round?
2: Three.
1: I, I mean, I think two should. I think there's the possibility of a third going in the, in the first round, whether it be a team trading up from the top part of round two back into the late part of round one. I mean, I, Malik Wills is the only guy that I've got a first-round grade on. But I think you're going to have two, potentially three go in the first round. All
2: right. Yeah, and then, the, go ahead, Crock. The, yeah, the, the NFL teams are so thirsty for quarterbacks, <laughs> you know. So we see it all the time. Quarterbacks get bumped up, even if they maybe shouldn't go as high. So I, I think I think two guys go. And then, like, as, in the sense of, like, where I could see teams wanting to take them, and then there's always going to be one or maybe even two more that get bumped up just because of the need of quarterbacks, especially for some of these teams that are potential playoff teams, like maybe a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they're going to be some of these teams late or maybe even a team that trades up to get one of these guys potentially.
0: Now, this is the more pertinent question, I suppose. How many of these quarterbacks do you guys think will log 50 or more NFL starts?
2: Oh. <laughs> None. I
1: I mean, it it could be none. I mean, you know, 50 or more NFL starts is three and a half seasons. So, you know, you're looking at a a four-year starter. Malik Willis has the physical skills, but he's a long way from being NFL ready. As I said with Corral, love his game, but how does it translate to the NFL and how long is it going to take him to learn to be an NFL passer? You know, Sam Howell, you got to put a lot of pieces around Sam Howell for him to be very successful and have a long career. Uh, can he pick it? You know, is, are you going to have, are you going to be satisfied with the short intermediate passing game? Is the hand size an issue? You could have a guy like Carson strong where is not not in the top five list of, of either of, of myself or Crock, who, if it clicks for him with his physical skills, you know, he could be one of the better quarterbacks down the line here. But again, he's a lot further away from being an NFL passer than the same elite is. So yeah, I mean, the, there's a possibility that none of them are.
0: Interesting. All right, let's go to the running back spot here, guys. Uh, very different lists, though you have some similar names on both, That a couple names that are different. Crock, why don't you give me your running back list first, and give me the idea of how strong you think the class is. Tony, you go, and then we'll try to sort through it a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'll start with the class. I think it's a solid class. Obviously, there's not that big-time name that kind of jumps out, but I think there are some good football players that have these really different abilities, and I think my list kind of Shows more what I like with running backs. I'm looking for a specific guy, but I was curious to see. Tony has one guy listed at the same or ranked at the same spot as me, and I got a lot of pushback on that on the uh, draft show. I'm locked on NFL draft. But at one, I got Isaiah Spiller, at two, I have Brees Hall, three, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame, uh, four, James Cook out of Georgia, and number five, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. And, and I think Kenneth Walker, people are all over the place. There's some people that have him as. The RB1 in his class and then like Tony and I, we both have him at 5, I would like to see like I see from the other guys, a little bit more dynamic ability. Now some people are like oh no you're wrong and maybe I just have to watch more games of him, but I see a guy that if it's there, he'll he'll be able to take advantage of that Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of lateral movement with him making guys uh, miss kind of in a phone booth as I like to say. Uh, There was just a lot that I desired, I wanted to see a little bit more of as I was watching him, as opposed to some of the other guys like an Isaiah Spiller, I think he is a terrific mover. I think he has just enough explosive ability. I don't know if the, any of these guys are like a four, three type explosive running back. But, you know, I could see Spiller, um, Breeze Hall and maybe even James Cook running like the four fours somewhere in there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't want to go off on the tangent. I want to get Tony his time. But uh, that that's kind of my order. And I lean more towards that guy that can make a move on top of a move, make guys miss in space, be able to pick up extra yards as opposed to somebody who could just run when everything's blocked up well.
1: Yeah. I, I got the first two guys switched. I got Brees Hall. Number one. Then I have Isaiah Spiller Then I have a, a bit of a sleeper guy who I really like a lot, who I think is underrated drum Ford of Cincinnati, former Alabama transfer, James Cook, number four, like crock. And then Kenneth Walker, uh, number five. Now I, I think Brees is a little bit further along in his game. Than Isaiah Spiller. He maybe he's not the same creative type of back, but he can run on the inside. He can turn the corner. He's a real good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's also an exceptional blocker, blocking for, for Brock Purdy, when Purdy took off on those design quarterback runs. So I like him as a three-down running back. I think he's further ahead of Isaiah Spiller as far as being NFL ready and being able to put on the field day one without having any mental lapses or, or any breakdowns. Uh, of assignments, Spiller is very uh, physically more uh, has a higher upside than Brees Hall. He's quicker. He does a better job creating yardage. He's got a better burst. He's probably an, a, a better outside runner. I like Jerome Ford a lot, and the tape I think matches what you see with Jerome Ford. He's a big downhill ball carrier with exceptional speed. I mean, watch the film, beating guys in, into the open field, running to daylight. You know, Jerome Ford is going to be one of these guys who I believe at the combine runs a 4-3-8 and everybody's just taken back by the fact that he ran a 4-3-8. You didn't watch the film or you should have watched the film. He was a good pass catcher, although they didn't throw him the ball too much at Cincinnati because they didn't need to. They had two tight ends. They had had pierced the, uh, the receiver. So I think he's very underrated. I think he's more of a bigger back who is exceptionally fast. He's got decent short area quickness. I love James Cook. James Cook could be one of the steals at the running back position. The thing thing with James Cook was he shared the ball with Zamir White at Georgia. So he was never really that feature runner that Isaiah Spiller or Brees Hall was. But you watch James Cook. He's fast. He's explosive. Great vision. Great running patience. Terrific pass catcher on the backfield. I mean, they line James Cook up on on the flanks on occasion and they would send him 30 yards down the field and he would catch the ball like a receiver. It's just that They didn't need him to do it all that much. And they had questions at the quarterback position at Georgia. So I think Cook is a guy who's a little bit underrated right now. Two or three years down the road, people are going to be saying, why was James Cook a late second, early third round pick? Why was not he selected earlier? And I agree about Kenneth Walker. You know, we see big 10 backs come out and they have huge numbers. I like Kenneth Walker puts up huge numbers, not a real, not really was much of a factor in a passing game. Like I said, not the strongest guy in the world. He had those big uglies up there. You open up big holes, uh, big holes for him. He's got good vision. He's got great instincts. Very exciting runner to watch. But again, you're trying to project
0: how that, uh, how how this projects to the next level. I think it's got- Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather? When all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch- or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refused to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door. And you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. That's some
1: limitations with Kent Walker.
0: Yeah, I watched Walker this morning. I thought I did see some of that make the man miss explosiveness in the open field. I saw him run away from guys. I agree. I think a lot of times Tony had a lot of space and you want to see him, you know, make guys miss in those short areas. I thought he was a little too happy to bounce the ball sometimes instead of taking the dirty yards inside. Brees Hall was interesting when I watched him because I think when you watch him, you know, it doesn't look like he's running fast. Everything is at his own pace. It's very calm. His style reminded me a lot of Le'Veon Bell, right? Slow to the line, but fast through it. Very patient runner. And I think, you know, people are not going to be wowed by his testing numbers, I don't think, but I think he's going to be a more effective running back with the results than maybe what the visual eye test might give you from watching him. And
1: he's a good pass catcher, and he's a good blocker. Yeah, yeah. When you can block uh, as a rookie, as a running back, you're going to see the field a
2: lot. The the one guy that I have on here that Tony doesn't have is Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. Uh, The one thing that people aren't going to value as much because it doesn't have anything to do with running back, but I like the fact that he did return punts for Notre Dame, added that special teams kind of element, especially in in the league like right now where there aren't a lot of guys just, oh, you're going to be a three down back. You're not coming off the field unless a team just has to go that route. They have a committee of running backs. Well, how is Kenny get on the field? I think doing punt returns, maybe even put him back there for kickoff return. I think that's going to be terrific. He's not very fast, right? I think as we're talking about some of these guys, he might be the slowest one on, on, on uh, when they time him. But, you know, I thought his start-stop was pretty good. I, I thought he was very crafty with the way he was able to make guys miss and then accelerate out of that. Still not very explosive but just the ability to make guys miss in a phone booth. As I like to say, I thought he did a terrific job doing that. Very hard runner, very patient. Uh, there were a lot of things that he did very well. Maybe not that one thing that he's going to be able to hang his hat on at the NFL level, but I could see him as, you know, a guy where, you know, like, like Tony said, with one of the quarterbacks, you know, five years from now, this is a guy that's still kind of on someone's roster, maybe uh, their second back, but he's still able to be productive to some extent or could fill in if a guy gets injured. I see him having that type of element. Not the most explosive, but again, and then to talk about the hands out the backfield. A lot of these teams while watching them, I'm like, man, they don't utilize the running backs in the passing game as much. But I thought when they did throw balls to him, they threw screens to him. I thought he did a good job with that. I understand how to set up blocks, make guys miss, and get the most out of each each touch.
1: One totally guy gotta mean- Go one guy I gotta mention didn't make the list, Pierre Strong of South Dakota State, a guy who Came into the season highly rated, for whatever reason, fell off the radar screen, even though he had a good season. Exceptional interior ball carrier. Displays the ability to turn the corner. Solid pass catcher. Can return punts. We talked about the senior ball, senior ball. He lit it up for three days at shrine try, try and practice and really proved that he deserved that high rating, that high grade that scouts gave him coming into the season. It's kind of fallen off the radar. He's going to be a guy that somewhere in the middle part of day three. Some team's going to grab, and he's going to turn into an exceptional I believe third or fourth back on a depth chart.
0: And I realize there really are no full-time running backs anymore, but which of these group, which of these guys from these groups, guys, do you think can be that, you know, 18 to 22 carry a game guy that can be, you know, maybe not a a share, but at least a one (coughs) A of a two man backfield.
2: Brees hall. He, He just has the body for it. He has the ability you know, uh, Tony talked about his, his pass catching ability. I think that's added value. His ability to block in the passing game. All those things combined sounds like a guy that can take a, a majority of carries for a team. He's built really good for a running back. Really good.
1: Yeah, I would say I would agree with Brees Hall. I'd say Jerome Ford also. Jerome Ford's got he's got a big body guy. He's strong. He's powerful. But he's also super fast. I mean, he can just beat defenders in the open field to run the daylight.
0: All right, let's jump to wide receivers here, guys. And by the way, any of these running backs going round one? No, right? Not this year. I
1: I don't see how it happens.
2: Uh, unless somebody like Brees Hall runs faster than we expect. Right? If he uh, goes out there and runs a four-three seven, then there might be a team that's like, Man, he uh, has all the ability to be RB1 and you know a team at the end of the first round. Like maybe like we saw with Clyde Edwards Halir a couple of years uh, ago, he got drafted good. late first round. Uh, kind of hasn't worked out quite as well as they probably would like, but uh, you know, I think he can sneak into the late part of the first round like that.
0: No, I agree. If 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 Hall tests combined with his production and his, and his measurements, I, I think he would be the guy. I agree, or
1: or somebody thinks he's just a natural fit for the system. That's why Hilaire yeah. Hilar- Hilar- Edwards went as early as he did. They, yeah, they, and, they, and I think he, Hall
0: would be uh, your perfect uh, outside, so he would be the perfect outside zone guy, right, Tony?
1: Uh, or, or, or he could run inside as well because he's a good interior runner as well.
0: Perfect. All right, let's go wide receiver. And I have a, I, I watched about eight of these guys yesterday, and your guys' list are very different. So I think we can have some a lot of fun debate with this. Tony, why don't you lead us off here and give us your top five in wide receiver?
1: No, the top couple of guys are really bunched close together. Garrett Wilson of Ohio State, who's a big, shorthanded handed possession, tall. He's not really big, but he's a shorthanded handed possession. He's also got some decent deep speed. Jameson Williams, you know, short of the injury, Jamison Williams is probably my number one receiver. I don't think he's got that second gear, but he's quick. He's explosive, very fluid, very natural. Drake London, who's a bigger receiver, want to see Drake London's testing times, not just the 40 time, the 10 yard time, the three cone time and the shuttle time, because he's got to prove that he's going to basically buck the mold. He's the taller guy that can that can separate. Then Chris Olave, who is a, a Definite deep threat, probably the best of vertical receiver of the top receivers in this year's draft. And then finally, Jahan Dotson. Average size, decent speed, but just a great receiver. Catches everything that's thrown his way, does the little things well, runs good routes, blocks, solid running after the catch. But again, he's under six foot tall, which is probably going to push him down a little bit, maybe late first round, early second.
0: All right, Croc, what do you got?
2: Yeah, uh, my wide receiver one right now, This guy Tony didn't even have on the list, uh, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. You know, him being 6'3", they're saying 230 pounds. He can outrun anyone on the field, has some big-time acceleration after the catch. Uh, He's a very versatile receiver. They line him up outside. I don't know if he's going to make his money being a pure only outside type receiver, but he can win vertically on the outside, but he can line up in the slot. They do a lot of things, motioning him into the backfield. They throw a lot of screens. They do everything to kind of get the ball into his hands. And he's a big time playmaker. And he did a lot of that with probably the worst quarterback quarterbacking situation out of all these guys, KJ oh Jefferson God. as a quarterback for Arkansas. So um, I love Traylon Burks. I think the thing people are going to have to kind of overlook is he just wins a different way. Is he the best route runner in this class? I don't think anybody would say that. But his ability to kind of win with positioning and be able to run away with guys, I think that's big time. I think that translates well to the uh, NFL level, which we've seen with guys like A.J. Brown or even like a Jamar Chase. Now, I'm not saying he's them, but I'm saying with just being able to win that type of way where you're just an explosive player. No, Kroc, by I the think way, I, 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 extremely well.
0: I think you hit it with the A.J. Brown comp. That's what he reminds me of. He's so strong, right, when he gets the ball in his hands. To me, yeah. uh, that that's that's what I see when I, when I look at Burks. I think A.J. Brown immediately.
2: And might have even a little bit better uh, top-end speed than even A.J. Brown. Uh, and then I have Jameson Williams. And like Tony was saying, we'll see what happens with the with the injury and things like that. But I kind of just blocked the injury out of my mind. and was just, what type of player is he? And he's one of my favorite prospects in this class. From his ability to, you know, just really create that separation, he can win right now at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you can move him around. He can come in and be a pure wide receiver one. He can win at the catch point. The explosive plays, to run after the catch on slant routes, uh, outrunning SEC defenders. I think that's terrific with him. Uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, the one thing that really stood out to me and some people kind of threw out the comp of maybe an Odell Beckham. I'm pretty sure all the Giants fans that are listening today are very familiar with who he is. His ability to make catches at the catch point. We, we, he he could create separation with routes. He is twitched up. He has that type of explosiveness. But I think the thing that stood out to me most was just the body control when the ball was in the air and his uh, ability to make catches while defenders are right next to him. I think that's terrific. Then we have Olave. Who, yeah, able to win over the top? He's a little bit more smoother than sudden. As a, as a, you know, comparing him to Garrett Wilson, but uh I like his smoothness. Reminds me a little bit of like a Keenan Allen, but with like, I don't even want to say with more vertical speed. Because somehow, even though Keenan Allen ran a four seven, he still beats guys over the top. <laughs> but just that smoothness and his ability to really be, you know, a hands catcher, catch the ball away from his body. There's some he lets get into his body, but. Uh, There was a lot to like about him and that big playability. And then fifth, which I I kind of battled with these guys being fourth and fifth, but Drake London out of USC, uh, you know, 6'5", 210, has that basketball background, played basketball at USC, finally committed to receiver. And I'm curious to see what his game is going to go to. I mean, extremely productive, first of all. By the time he got hurt, hurt his ankle scoring a touchdown, you know, he already had over a 1,000 yards and almost 90 receptions, and we were barely maybe halfway through the season. Uh, interesting thing with how they utilize him, you did assume, oh, six-five, 6'5", he's just more of a jump ball guy, which he definitely does that. Some people might complain a little bit about separation. We'll see how he improves on it. But they throw a ton of screens to him as well. So I think that, that's them saying, hey, we like his athletic ability, his ability to kind of make guys miss right here, short air, especially at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I agree with Tony seeing his testing, the three cone, L drill, those type of things. I think that's going to be important for some of these NFL teams to see. But now he kind of gets to finally, for the first time ever in his life, focus on one sport and focus on being the best receiver that he can be, as opposed to being a basketball player and football player. And I think his game is just gonna to go to the next level. So he's a guy who might even rise a little bit for me. Uh comparisons out there, kind of like kind of like a T Higgins type guy, but even bigger if he measures in at the six that they expect him to.
0: Yeah, I look, I I did a top five here two guys. Um, I have Wilson one just because I think he can do everything, right? You saw him over the top. I think he's a good route runner, contested catches, back shoulders, body control. You mentioned that, Croc. I think he's a very safe player. Is he going to be like the guy that, you know, puts fear into the heart of defenses? Maybe not, but I think he's going to be an excellent all-around receiver you can use in any of the three spots. I think he's going to be a very good player. You know, Jameson Williams, you guys said it. Look, every game you watch, he's the most explosive athlete on the field. He just is, and I think that gets you excited. We'll see about the injury. Checks will be important for him. I have Burks as my number three guy. I think the upside, Crock, you mentioned it, boy. You have to watch a lot of games to find throws that are on target for him. That is a rough quarterback situation um, at Arkansas for Burks. You know, I have London as my fourth guy. I think you know he kind of wins the way Mike Evans does in the pros. He has that type of frame and body, but I agree with both of you. I think his testing will be important to see, you know, that'll guide people to, as to how he might be able to separate in the NFL. And then I have Dotson in in front of Olave at number five. I just think he's more of a a, a deceptive and sudden route runner. Olave, I think you said this, Croc, he, he's more smooth than sudden. And I agree. And I, I like the suddenness of Dotson a little bit better than I do Olave. Yeah. So – That's my five, and then I have Olave as the uh, sixth guy kind of peeking in there on the
2: outside. Jackson's a guy I really like. I I mean, the fact Tony had him in there in the top five, I I have no argument with that. I think he's a very explosive receiver. He's a playmaker. I think he's a guy that can line up inside, outside. I'm going to like his ability to really be able to win inside against uh, better matchups, like maybe linebackers, maybe some safeties in space. I think he's going to kill it with that and be able to run away from a lot of guys.
1: See, I think the thing with Olave, you got to go back and watch the 2020 film because Olave was a different receiver with Justin Fields throwing the ball than he was this year with C.J. Stroud. In fact, they lost Jerry Ruckert, who we'll talk about the tight end, also had a disappointing season, not because I think his play was disappointing, but because the new quarterback took a while to get adjusted. I was at Ohio State games where Olave was wide open and the quarterback just missed him. The quarterback wasn't even looking towards him. Uh, so I think that's one thing with Olave. As far as Traylon Burks is concerned, listen, I like Burks as a receiver. I'm concerned the fact that he's at 225, 230 pounds right now. I don't think he can be that heavy. You could. Everyone's comparing to AJ Brown. Terrific. AJ Brown was a late second round pick because of the fact that people were concerned about his route running, concerned about his ability to separate. He's worked out well. You know, I think it's the same situation with Traylon Burks. I'm going to be very interested to see what Traylon Burks runs. The 40 time, the 10 yard split, because when I watch the film, he looks to me like he's a mid four, four guy. Absolutely wins out from the contested throws. No doubt about it. High points, the ball out muscles uh, opponents for the ball, for the receivers. But again, that sort of receiver, the Hakeem Butler's of the world, the Alan Lazard's of the world, you know, they have got, they get depressed on, on draft there. They go later than people think because, You can't be just a guy who wins out for the contested throws. Agreed. important for me to watch to see what Traylon Burks' testing numbers, the 40-time and the 10-yard split time, are in a week and a half at the combine, two weeks in the combine.
2: I I think Traylon Burks, he's going to be an acquired taste for a lot of NFL teams. If you are more of a spread, 11-personnel type team, you might shy away from them a little bit. If you are one of these teams that are more run-heavy, two receivers – Out uh, a little bit more tight split formations. I think he's a guy who you're going to be able to get out in space on big play actions. He's going to be able to run away from some defenders. But yeah, if you spread it out and that's what you want your office to be, he might not be the player for you. Even AJ Brown. Yeah, I also think his three
0: cone is going to be important too. Right to see how he changes directions at the top of these routes.
1: There you go. I mean, the route running for uh, Traylon Berksley is a lot to be desired. Granted, they didn't ask him to run a lot of complicated routes. I mean, it was basically, like you said, underneath screens where he kind of float on exit and, and they throw the ball to him and he snatch it out of the air. So the, the route running, not only the, the testing, but remember, they do a lot of position drills. Uh, after the testing, when they do the, after they do the 40, you want to watch his route running. Is he slowing in the brakes? Is he quick foot in the brakes? Does he get choppy footed? Is he able to stay low exiting brakes? Does he come out of his brakes with balance? Those are going to be the things to watch with Traylon Burks at the combine.
2: Now here's the thing, because I'm kind of expecting him to do well with those things. Let's say he he, he goes there and, you know, he runs a, a solid three cone, solid elder runs low four, fours, which I expect him to do. And then he, you see him and he's getting in and out of his breaks because, hey, I wasn't asked to do these things at Arkansas, but I've worked on these things for the last eight weeks now. And he's dropping his hips, getting out of breaks. How will teams view him? And then and I think that's kind of I'm projecting a little bit when it comes to him and what I think he might be able to do.
0: Tony, who's your sleeper in wide out? My sleeper in wide out is,
1: is someone who probably no one knows about a kid by the name of Dejon Dixon from Nichols State. He's a, he's a decent sized guy, six foot two, 205 pounds. Runs in the high four fours catches everything in sight. Just a guy who takes over games, sort of the way that Drake London did at USC. Soft handed guy, goes over the middle, wins out for the contested throw, sneaky speed. He's going to be a late round pick. He's got some off the field issues that uh, people are going to have to sift through and investigate. But again, you know, sixth, seventh round choice that I think a team can take, and he could surprise the next level and turn out to be a real productive fourth or fifth receiver on a depth chart
0: how many first round picks guys and how deep does this group go? It feels like every year you can find receivers now in the third round. college just kind of mass produces these guys with all the passing that goes on now. So how many first rounders and, and, and how deep is this class going to go where you can find a solid NFL starter?
2: I think it's going to be pretty deep. If I had to say, you know, how many guys go day one, I kind of want to put that number at four. I've done some mock drafts. And It feels like the receivers, for whatever reason, are kind of getting pushed down the list a little bit. But uh, four, I'd say I'm confident with that. Uh, if five go, wouldn't be overly surprised. I'd set the over under at four and a half. Yeah, I'd say that.
1: Yeah, I I'd know. agree with that. I, 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 four, but I think you're going to end up with five, but it's still a pretty deep class. I mean, you know, day two, you got John Mechie there who has an injury, yeah. Charleston Rambo of uh miami who's had a terrific season came from uh came from oklahoma kid from uh, kentucky by the name of wendell robinson i mean a lot of rondale Moore in his game in the sense that he's a he's a vertical receiver who's super quick y- you get to the late board of the third round sky Moore, caleb Ellaby's number one target from uh western michigan jalen tobert of uh south uh, south alabama, alabama who yeah. we saw at the senior bowl who really blew it up and even later on uh, a guy named samari torre from nebraska Uh, by way of Montana, you're talking day three pick, who was a real good college receiver, had three great days of Shrine game practice. Everybody's kind of fallen off of him, but you can somebody's going to take him in the late round. He's going to be a good receiver at the next level.
2: And and I think one guy that's definitely going to be a big winner because of how Cooper Cup is performing, but Alec Pierce, a guy who is kind of that big receiver, and they use him on the outside, and he was terrific with tested catch, but at the senior bowl, he showed me he has some twitch to his route running, and I was like, okay, I wasn't expecting to see that much suddenness Uh, from him, that's going to probably surprise some scouts when they see him more in person, even at, like, a combine. If he can run well with his ability, a guy that you might want to put in the slot. Again, I said Cooper Cup might have made him some money a little bit, you know, being kind of a bigger white guy slot receiver. I think i Pierce, I think he'll kill it there and be able to kind of win there. So he's a guy that you won't have to draft very high. He might even go lower than Cooper Cup did. Cooper Cup was drafted at the top of the third round. I can see Pierce going at some point uh, day three, and I think that's going to be a really good value pick for somebody. Terrific hands, catch the ball away from his body. He's able to win vertically. But I think when they see that suddenness, they're going to be like, you know what? We'll utilize your ability to match you up against some of these backers and safeties in space and be able to win there.
1: Quick note on Alec Pierce. I'm told he's going to test incredibly well at the combine. I'm told recently he's been vertical jumping 41 and a half inches. So if he verts 42 inches at the combine, don't be surprised and remember where you heard it.
2: Ah, uh, hey! Well, when he does, then uh, he might be an early day two type guy.
1: <laughs> he's got a little Billy. He's got a little Billy Hoyle in him, huh?
2: <laughs>
0: you guys, everybody that understands thats represent. why he wins yeah. out for those
1: contested throws. Absolutely, come on, everybody!
0: All right, tight ends. Croc, uh, why don't you lead us off here?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, I think this one's probably going to be a little surprising. My first guy, but Cole Turner out of Nevada. Uh, Jalen Wademeyer out of Texas A&M. Got Jeremy Rucker. And uh, you know, I know uh, Tony said didn't have as great of a year due to the whole quarterback. Situation. Yeah, I got Trey McBride out of Colorado State and then Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. Then Cole Turner. Okay, so really kind of my top three. Those are the guys who I, re- I really like. But Cole Turner, he's a receiver in the tight end's body. They split him out wide. They throw jump balls to him. and line up up on the goal line. They'll, they'll run uh, slants and these different things with him. I think he plays well in space. He's not like this super explosive mover. He's more of a big body guy, moves to a spot, but shows, I mean, terrific. Hands. I think he has the best ball skills at any receipt, uh, tight end in this class to wait. One hand catch, two hands over guys, tough catches, go down and get passes out.
0: Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather when all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch? Or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refused to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door. And you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today.
2: The Dirt for guys, 66 six. I think he does those things terrific. Is he going to run away from guys? Not sure. Is he the most sudden? I don't think so, but I really like his ability to be a, a pure receiver type tight end and be able to do some things when I'm split him out, move him in space. Really like him. Uh, Watermeyer. I, I, I watched the Alabama game and saw them use him a lot as like a blocker in line. Maybe they need to help uh, you know, just the pass protection against Alabama's pass rush. I thought he held up extremely well. So unlike uh, Cole Turner, this guy is definitely more – he gives you – he has more value in the blocking game, but still gives you a lot of ability as a pass catcher, smooth, good hands. Run after catch surprised me because when you watch him in route, he looks a little bit more of a slower mover. But then after the catch, he's making guys uh, miss and running the spots. I think that was terrific. And then Jeremy Rucker, he might be the best mover – of the three guys that I just mentioned, uh, I think, like Tony said, like just the lack of targets in, in the way that they utilize him this season, it was something that kind of jumped out to me. Not a plus for him, but I, I made note of it. I think the best is yet to come for him. I think he's going to get to the NFL level and start to be utilized a little bit more as a receiver in space. But I thought he did a good job blocking Was more than a willing blocker. Uh, he was good blocker in space. They used him on motions and things like that to come down chop down some uh, guys to the backside. Uh, I like this game a lot. Show a lot of toughness as well.
1: Yeah, this is a great tight end class. You don't have a Kyle Pitts at the top, but you got great depth. Uh, our, our, our lists are a lot different. I do have Weidemeyer as my number one uh, tight end. I think he's basically a, a possession type receiver with decent speed playing the tight end position. He makes a lot of natural catches. He makes a lot of catches that the receiver uh, receiver would make. And I like his explosiveness. I then have Trey McBride of Colorado State. Got to see how fast he runs at the combine. If he runs faster than expected, faster than expected, it's going to be in the high four sixes. He's going to go relatively early. Jeremy Ruckert, a big guy who moves exceptionally well, catches the ball well, can also block. Isaiah Likely of Coastal Carolina, someone who uh, I've actually been in love with for the past two years. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who looks like a 245-pound receiver on the field. Gets down vertical, gets down the field vertically, makes the big time catch, the over the shoulder catch, just a game changing tight end who has to improve his blocking. They never really asked him to block too much at Coastal Carolina because he was such a playmaker. And then Greg Dulcich of uh, UCLA, another real good pass catcher who does a solid job blocking. If the faster he runs the combine, the earlier he's going to be selected in draft. Tony, let me yeah,
0: let
2: one, me ask you about one water second. Mine. Yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Tony talked about you know blocking and things like that. Cole Turner, they didn't ask him to block a whole lot, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So that's one thing that stood out when I say he was a big receiver in a tight end's body. Uh, a lot of you know off ball detached type alignments for him. Suddenly, they'll put him, like, I never saw him with his hand in the dirt, not one time, as opposed to somebody like, you know, Ferguson, you know, at Wisconsin. Like, you know, he's hands in the dirt a lot. He's doing a lot of blocking. Didn't really see that from Cole so I just kind of want to throw it out there yeah. because, you know, with the kid, uh, Dolchich from UCLA, I've heard a lot of really good things about him, and even if it's not a guy that hangs his hat on blocking, if he can do it well enough, uh NFL teams to take that.
0: Yeah, Tony, and I was going to follow up on Watermeyer, actually a, a very similar point to what Croc just made. You know, his body type, he looks like – All right, this guy can be your classic two-way tight end. It's funny, as I watched his tape through the year, I almost felt like early in the year he looked slower. He looked like he was lumbering. As he got further along the year, I thought he looked like he got faster. I don't know if he got in shape (laughs) or it was just he got more comfortable, whatever the case might be. I don't think I saw a lot of, you know, shiftiness and suddenness, but I saw, you know, straight line. Like, to me, he's like your perfect – Two-way seam target, get him down the seam. He's a big body. He's a big guy. He could probably take some hits from safeties. I think he has some of that potential. Is that why you like him so much? That he can be kind of that two-way guy for teams, Tony? Again,
1: you, you got. I, I looked at more than just 2021. When you looked at the 2020 film, he was a game. Yeah, I even looked at for, that for Texas AM. He was a guy who got down the field, who went out for the contested throw, made catches during the important moments of the game. Now you mentioned. He was a little bit slower in the beginning of the season later. I'm told that there may be some maturity issues with him. Not that he's a bad guy, but he's just got to realize, you know, you got to work a little harder. You can't get by on your natural ability, which is, you know, you can say that about hundred guys in the draft. Sure. Uh, but I love his athleticism. I love his pass catching skills. Uh, I, I think he, he'll be able to hold his own as a blocker.
0: Interesting. Tony, who's your sleeper?
1: Uh, J- uh, a kid by the name of Josh Babbage from North Dakota State actually entered the season as the, the second-rated uh, tight end out of North Dakota State, big body guy, six foot six, 255 pounds, probably going to run in the 4.75s. He's not invited to the combine, which puts him up against it as far as being selected in a draft. During his pro days, probably going to run in the 4.7s, but he plays much faster. Catches the ball very fluid, very natural catching the ball, and at six foot six, 255 pounds, he's a decent blocker as well.
0: All right. So if you're looking for two way tight ends, guys, my sense is that, you know, you guys each listed five, but you could probably go three or four deeper of guys that could be a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, that you feel pretty confident. If you need to plug in and just have a guy that can do a little bit of everything, this seems to be a pretty good group where if you need a tight end late on day, early on day three, that you can probably find a player that can step in and do a solid job for you at the position, right?
1: It's outstanding. I, I mean, you know, Daniel Bellinger, San Diego State. I have him as day three uh, pick. Some scouts like him as a third round pick. Kate Otten out of Washington, who did, had a very disappointing yeah. season. A lot of people thought he was going to enter last year's draft. He's probably going to fall into the third round. I mentioned Babbage, Nick News, who we saw at, at South Carolina. He's got to pick up his blocking a little bit, but he's a real good pass catcher. Uh, Austin Allen, get out of uh, Nebraska, six foot seven and a half, 264 pounds, catches wow. the ball very well. A real good, uh, pass catcher, you're also going to have, you know, decent move tight ends. The kid Okwanao of of Maryland, who's moving up draft boards, had three great shrine game practices. James Mitchell of Virginia Tech, who's sort of the forgotten man because he hurt his knee, I believe, uh, beginning of October. James Mitchell, people thought if he entered last year's draft, would have been a third-round pick, decides to go back for a senior season, gets injured, you know, again, not really a two-way tight end, But if you're looking for a move tight end, if he gets back to health and gets back to prior playing form, he's going to be a steal somewhere in the middle of day three.
0: Awesome. All right, let's head in here. And we're no first round picks right out of this tight end crew. Accurate.
1: I think if there's one on my board anyway, it could be wider depending on how he runs uh, at the combine.
0: Fair enough. All right, let's drop into the trenches here, boys. We got about 20 minutes. Let's go offensive tackle first. And, Tony, the most interesting about your list for me, so I'll start with you, is a name that's not on your offensive tackle list. Well,
1: that's because he's
0: my number one offensive guard. I know that. that.
1: (laughs) uh, uh, My offensive tackle list goes Evan Neal of Alabama, Charles Cross of Mississippi State, Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa, Nicholas petit Frere of Ohio State, and another Big Ten guy that I absolutely like, Rasheed Walker of Penn State.
2: Croc. Yep, and so I have four guys. I have four guys on the offensive tackle spot and four on the interior. But uh, Evan Neal, I got Agnew, e- who, you know, Tony said he has him at, at guard. Uh, Charles Crossett and Trevor Penning. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at with the offensive tackle p- position. Now, I have a spot open because, I don't know, I really like Kenyon Green maybe more than other – I mean, I know he's a guard, and, he, and he's, you know, he's not going to be like that lanky guy. But I thought he was solid at at tackle. You know, I thought he was a good tackle as well. So, um, if if teams are looking for someone that I don't want to say be a swing tackle because if you draft him, you're drafting him to come in and start, but he's a guy that can play multiple positions in the pinch.
0: All right, so Tony, let's get to the top story here. Why do you have you as a guard and not a tackle?
1: I just think he's better in confined quarters. You know, we did an interview with him. Pro Football Network did an interview with him at the Super Bowl. He's like, you know, I'd like to stay at left tackle. But if I've got to move to guard or right tackle, I will. So I, I think he's being told that he may have to shift to the next level. I just think that the way he plays and the fact that he doesn't have great footwork off the edge, he doesn't have to show great lateral agility, I see like Rashid Walker uh, from, from Penn State, who's fantastic at it. I think you're, you're moving him over to the right side, whether it's the right tackle or right guard where I have him. I, I think he's just better off in, in a smaller area playing in the phone booth. Obviously I think what's going to happen is he's going to be try to tackle first. And if he stays there, good for him, I'm wrong, but just the way I project him to the next level, I think he's better. Off. I think he can, he will be a dominant guard uh, in the NFL. Oh, I just, think, I just think he's better in a smaller area.
0: Yeah. And absolutely. And, and Krog, I'll let you get your take on him too. But like you watch a Quan in the running game, it. Like you want to have fun watching football. Go watch that dude run block. He is knocking guys off their feet, moving people. So he certainly has the strength to play that guard spot if he has to. But boy, in the run game, he is a lot of fun. He's like a little Makai Becton. If people that watched him last year, a couple years ago, just moving guys all over the place. But to Tony's point, his pass protection is a little bit all over the place. Like he you can tell his his sets aren't consistent, his footwork's not great. So If you're going to prioritize pass pro out of a tackle, then I could see why he might not be your number one guy in your list.
2: Yeah. Well, I I want to ask Tony how he feels about Evan Neal. All right. Because I I, I think he is the number one tackle prospect here, big guy. And I think he's a terrific mover for how big he is, but there were a few things that kind of continue to jump out. You know, I think he's the best tackle in his class I thought he was on the ground a little too much for my liking. I'm not sure if it's a, a leverage type thing because he is so big. I mean, we're talking about six, seven, six foot eight, uh, 350 plus pounds like that. That's a big tackle. And unless you're just this freak athlete, like, let's say like, uh like Trish Williams, who's yeah. 350 pounds, but he moves like he's 275 pounds. Right. I, I think uh, Evan Neal, he's more of like a big wall extremely hard for guys to get around him. I think his pass set is really good. Um, I don't think that anything was a little too much for him in the sense of what guys were able to give him off of the edge. But him moving and kind of falling or trying to finish blocks, losing his footing, uh, I would have liked to see a little bit more nastiness, like y'all talked about with Ek- Ek- Newell, where you know you see him kind of finish blocks in the run game. I didn't see a whole lot of that from Evan Neal. And I'm not saying that you know that's something that people are going to knock him for, but... You know, I, when I was watching all the guys from Georgia and, and when they started pouring it on Alabama late in that game and guys were diving over piles and, you know, they were just nasty. You see that, that confidence in like, like the, the bullies. And I would like to see a little bit more bully in him from Evan Neal, who I thought in a consistent basis did his job, played well. But there were some things I would like to see a little bit more from him. Especially, Especially with, with that ever, type
1: of size. You got to remember, Evan Neal was right tackle in 2020, moved to the left side yeah. in 2021. So it's a new position. Now, okay. to your point, there are a lot of people in the league who feel that Evan Neal's better off inside a guard in the NFL because mm-hmm. of his build. I mean, when you look at Evan, Evan Neal, I mean, he his lower body is large. It's big. It's more of a guard build than a tackle build because there are some teams that want you know their tackles to be sort of like Charles Cross, a little bit sleeker, a little bit slimmer, a little bit more mobile. So it's going to be interesting, the conversation that we hear coming out of war rooms as we get from the uh, from the combine moving forward as to how many teams like Evan Neal at left tackle, at right tackle, or even at guard. And, you know, mentioning Charles Cross, I know that some people absolutely love this guy. I think he's got a huge upside, but there's a lot of concern with Charles Cross for me. When you watch him, he doesn't really bend his knees all that much. He's not a great leverage blocker. And, you know, you go back to Bill Parcells with his days with the New York Giants. They just, All through practice, he used to tell guys, bend your knees, get your hands up. Bend your knees, get your hands up. I don't see a lot of knee bend from Charles Cross. Charles Cross almost never came out of a three-point stance at Mississippi State. They had him always standing on, which is probably part of the reason why he never really blocked or would learn to block with the knee bend. So those are some concerns for me with Charles Cross. Very athletic, very mobile, real good pass protector, but some of the fundamental things which he was able to get away with. some of the poor fundamentals that he was able to get away with on Saturday better be rectified or he's going to get slaughtered on Sunday.
0: Yeah. yeah Tony, I agree with you. And I, I was literally about to say the same thing. If you are looking for a guy that you think can pass protect the best and you're looking for upside athletically, just as an athlete crosses your guy, but you're right. I think the athleticism allowed him to overcome some technique stuff that he needs to get better at, at the pro level. So I do think if the team decides, look, I'm going to prioritize pass protection and athleticism. I'm going to pick Charles Cross first. I think they're going to have to realize there might be some growing pains there with him, especially, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, he took a pretty big jump performance-wise, right, right, from last year to this year. Like, he improved. Like, he, he made a big jump.
1: Massive. I mean, yeah. David Ajabu from a Michigan State type of jump where no one was talking about him before the season. And, you know, by October, everybody was absolutely in love him.
0: <laughs> Croc, what did you think when you saw Cross? What did you like about him?
2: I really liked him initially. I liked him more than Neil. Now I watch more games and then I started to come ar- uh, around a little bit more on Neil again. I had those questions on him, but I thought Cross, I thought he moved better in space. I think Tony talked about it being a little bit more sleek. I thought his footwork was pretty solid and I just thought he just overall moved well with what tackles are being asked to do in the NFL. You I think at, at some point with Evan Neil being so big, sometimes it's kind of hard to continue to win with your leverage. Thought he was good when he got his hands on, but yeah, sometimes. You know, if a guy can kind of get underneath you and kind of knock you back a little bit, that might be an issue. I didn't see that as an issue with Cross. So Cross was a guy who initially I was higher on him than Evan Neal. All
0: right, Tony, we talked about Trevor Penning a lot on our Senior Bowl show, episode one. Everybody should go back and listen to that and watch that. Give me the two guys who I, I have not watched. I don't know if Crock has um, Nicholas Petit Frere and Rasheed Walker, your fourth yeah. and fifth tackles. Give us a rundown on those two guys, what you like and when you think they might go.
1: If you watch the Michigan game, you would think that Nicholas Petit Ferrer is a late round pick because Aiden Hutchinson just ate him up, but he's a big mobile athletic guy. He's real good in pass protection. He can slide out well, and he's also a nasty run blocker. I mean, he get he drives guys off the line of scrimmage. He, he squares into them and seals them from the plays. He's got a high upside. He's not there yet but he's got a great upside, could slide in the late first round. Rashid Walker is a guy that I've been on since his freshman season. I mean, you want to talk about a Charles Cross type of guy, but except he bends his knees and he comes out of a uh, a three-point stance. Rashid Walker, in my opinion, is a phenomenal pass blocker. The way he slides off the edge, the lateral range, his ability to get out to the second level. Problem with Rashid Walker is doesn't show the nastiness, doesn't finish his run blocks, does have some mental lapses on occasion, which basically turn into ruin for the quarterback but as far as upsides concerned Rasheed Walker is people are going to start talking more and more about Rasheed Walker as far as pure pass blocking left tackles that have terrific athleticism and a high upside
0: so I imagine Tony he's one of the guys that's going to blow up Indy at the combine and then we're going to start hearing more about him
1: I haven't I have not heard any uh testing numbers for Rasheed Walker yet but just again Watch the test numbers. Watch the position drills. Watch the footwork. Watch the balance. Because remember, the the uh, the, the combine, they have, they're in the position drills. They have the slide as they were left tackles. They have the slide as they were right tackles as well to show that if they if they got that versatility. I, I think his movement skills are going to be outstanding. More and more people are going to fall in love with him after the combine.
0: All right, let's go into guard and center. Obviously, if Equan Yu is going to be a guard, he's number one on everyone's list at that spot. No question about it. But I do think there is some debate and watching the guys, I get it center Tyler Lindebaum or guard Kenyon Green. Which guys off the ball, off the board, pardon me, first? And Croc, is this more of a what you're prioritizing type of deal with these two guys? How do you kind of go through that interior offensive line class?
2: Well, I, I really like Ken, Kenyon Green. So it might be what you prioritize. And I, I really like prioritizing versatility no matter what position you play. And with Kenyon Green, I, I watched. I watched three games initially, right? And I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, he's a left tackle. So I'm watching him. Then I watched another game. I'm like, well, I don't see him. So I skipped over that game and went to another game. And then come to find out, I went back to it. No, he was just playing guard. Then And then you hear about him. And then I, I put on another game. Then he's playing right tackle. So he's a guy that definitely has a bunch of versatility. Uh, I think he moves well in short areas. I think he's able to explode off of the ball. I think his footwork was really solid. He is someone – I don't think he's going to be that long guy. He's listed at like 6'4". He's probably going to be uh, measuring in at around 6'3". Now, that's not going to cut at the NFL level to play tackle. They're not going to like him there. But I think with just how athletic he is and, and his ability to move in space, uh, especially if it's a team that likes to do movement and stuff, uh, a lot of these teams are going towards kind of this outside zone-type running scheme. I think he can move well at guard for a team like that. So he's, he's my number one guard. Now, again, if – New is at guard, then that's going to bump him down. But I, I like him, at least on my list right now, at number one, Tyler Lindenbaum at two, Zion Johnson. I know uh, he's coming on as a late. And then uh, I got a sailor out of Georgia as my fourth guy. I don't have a fifth guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much the same, except I got Ekwunu uh, number one, and I got Linderbaum slightly ahead of Green. I mean, they're, they're very close on my board. I just think that Linderbaum is more better suited for a zone-blocking system. Uh, Green does it okay, but I think Linderbaum does it better. Green obviously has a power advantage over Linderbaum. is not even close. I mean, he can knock those guys back off the line of scrimmage and open the holes where Linderbaum actually needs help on the inside at times. So again, I've said this time and time again. Go back and watch the Big Ten title game. Chris Hinton of, Lin, uh, of Michigan was given Linderbaum fits in the middle of the line. The strength should come as he physically matures, gets into an NFL weight training program, and just basically gets older. Uh, but I, I like Linderbaum's movement skills slightly more than uh, than Kenyon Green. Zion Johnson's my number four guy. Jameer Slayer is, is uh, my number five guy. Slayer, who played left tackle at Georgia, projects inside. Two sleepers, I got to mention, you know, you talked about Kenyon Green playing left, starting left tackle and then moving inside, moving around. The reason they moved them inside was because Texas A&M had another guard who came from Rhode Island, another offensive lineman who came from Rhode Island, whose name is Jameer Johnson, who had a sensational year. At left tackle, how this guy did not get a combine invite is beyond me. He projects the guard because, again, as Croc was saying, he's not really long. He goes about six, three and a half. But you watch his fundamentals. You, you see his strength at the point of attack. This guy is going to be a, a steal in day three. One other sleeper. Everybody talks about Linderbaum, Linderbaum, Linderbaum at center. Cameron Jorgens of Nebraska, who, in my opinion, is the best zone, zone blocking prospect in this guard. You want to talk about an athletic guy who can get 5, 10, even 15 yards down the field, knock linebackers, knock defensive backs from the action plays with the nasty attitude, not the strongest guy in the world. Again, like Linderbaum is not going to get a lot of movement in the middle of the field, although I'm told he's up around 300 pounds getting ready for the combine. But Cameron Jorgens, in my opinion, is probably better value for a team that needs a center in the third round than Linderbaum is as a first-round pick.
0: Interesting, Tony, and I totally didn't give you a chance to give you or a sleeper a tackle. And this is a deep one because it's ah. a school that I've never heard of.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, I I hadn't heard of it. <laughs> Andrew Rupchich from Culver Stockton. Now, where is Culver Stockton? I thought California would Stockton, but it's actually in Missouri. Andrew Rupchich is 6'7, 350 pounds. He's incredibly athletic. If you kind of look at the YouTube highlights, which I hate to watch, You'll see the guy throw a 40-yard option pass on a dime. Wow. <laughs> see as he's rolling outside the pocket. It wasn't like a twist sweep to him in the pocket. He's rolling outside the pocket. And go, obviously just dominated. It dominates everybody. The not Shows good movement skills. Went to the NFL PA game. His arms were a little bit shorter than people hoped. Slightly under 33 inches. So he may have to move into guard. But you want to talk about a seventh-round pick who's a developmental pro, uh, prospect, Andrew Rupchich of Culver Stockton, which is somewhere in Missouri, uh, <laughs> is an absolutely <laughs> dominant guy who's a terrific developmental prospect.
0: Is that D2? Is that FCS? What I is believe that?
1: NAIA or what's left of the NAIA. NAIA,
0: geez. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, guys, give me a feel before we say goodbye. Depth of the offensive line class. You can talk about them separately or together if you like. Is this a, is this a class where, you know, End of day two, round three, you're going to be able to find a starter? Or if you want a starter, you better get him in that, you know, start, middle, or round two type of area.
2: Tony has watched more of the the, the players than I have, but it sounds like it is a, a decent depth type uh, offensive line. It might depend on what your scheme is, and that can kind of limit what you can get later you know, if you're looking for something very specific, I know the 49ers go more towards those kind of leaner type guys. and You might run out of those guys. Yeah, they want to move. Play, they want guys that, that can move, that, yeah. That can move, be lean, but still play strong. But uh sounds like a, a solid offensive line class.
1: I think when you look at the tackle class, tremendous depth. Tremendous depth. Different types of players. Zone blockers, power gap blockers, really through the third, fourth, and fifth round. There's some decent depth. At the guard spot. I mean, guys, you can get day two who can start the next level. The center position is basically two or three guys. It's it's uh, Linderbaum at the top, Cameron Jergens, uh probably in day two, and the kid uh, Fontenot from Kentucky in the later rounds really falls off a of cliff. But there's only a few guys at the center position who are going to be drafted. So great tackle class, solid guard class. Not a good uh, center class, although people will characterize it as a good center class because you may have a center go in the first round of Tyler Lindebaum.
2: Oh, and also Kenyon Green, again a guy I talked about all these different positions he played. They said in practice he t- he was able to take snaps as center as well. So uh, again, I really like the versatility of him. That's a guy, obviously, I'm really high
0: on. Yeah, and Zion Johnson took center took center and snaps at the Senior Bowl as well. And and
2: the New York Giants, the New York Giants might need him to play all positions at one time. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Can we clone them? would help. Can we, can we clone them They get four of them? I'll take it. Uh, final thoughts, guys, here. Next show, we'll do the defense. Uh, anything we missed, anything you want to add about this offensive class that you think fans should know about heading into the combine?
1: Well, no, I, I mean, it's a good class. What's going to happen is this is there are no quarterbacks at the top of the draft, no running backs. You're not going to have any knockout receivers. So people are going to automatically write it off. But the fact is this, as we talked about, Great tight ends in round and day two, outstanding tackles in round two, some decent depth at the uh at the receiver position, good running backs in round two. So the only thing I'll say is you no, know, the draft is more than the first round. They have seven rounds for right. so yeah. you gotta look a little bit deeper here.
2: Yeah, and I hear that a lot as you know, covering the 49ers, they don't have a first round pick. Everyone thinks that you have to 100 percent get this position with the 31st overall pick. I'm like, dude, you have an entire draft to make out. You know, all the needs and all the things that you need. And I think, you know, a team like the Giants, you don't have to, you know, reach for an office lineman in the first uh, round if you think, well, I know they have two first round picks, but, you know, you can wait uh, second yeah. round and you can trade back, you can do some different things. I think there's depth in the right spots, depending on what it is you're looking for.
0: Yeah, should be a lot of fun. We'll do the defense next week. And again, guys, make sure you go and subscribe to the Draft Season podcast feed on your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please do a five-star positive review. And of course, if you're a Giants fan, you can find them on the Giants mobile app and at Giants.com slash podcast as well if you're not on a podcast platform. For Kroc and Tony, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next week. We'll do our top fives on defense. This is draft season. Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games, and no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. From the extras to the essentials, Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late-night snack craving or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today.